0: Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We are glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message.
1: The devil is not your problem. There are so many other things that brings issues into our lives. We blame the devil. You know, many of us who are close to me, you always know that I joke about this thing. I say the last day when we will eventually see the devil, he's going to deny a lot of things. Of course, people will not believe him because he's the devil and he's the king of liars. But he's going to deny a lot of things. And he's going to say, this one you did. You did this by yourself. I'm not the one responsible. In Ezekiel 28, Ezekiel 28, reading from verse number 12, Bible tells us there. It says, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, you were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The sardius, the topaz, the diamonds, the beryl, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, turquoise, the emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timber and pipes were prepared for you on the day you were created. You were the anointed cherub who covers I established you you were on the holy mountain of God you walked back and forth in the midst of a fiery stones you were perfect in your ways from the day you were created until iniquity was found in you by the abundance of your trading you became filled with violence within, and you sinned, therefore I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God. And I destroy you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I laid you before kings, that they might gaze at you. You defile your sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities, by the iniquities of your trading. Therefore, I brought fire from your midst, I devoured you, and I turned you to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all who saw you. All who knew you among the people were astonished at you. You have become a horror, and you shall be no more forever. This is a very interesting verse of the scripture. And it's a description of the individual, the entity that we all now refer to as the devil or Satan. Here the bible is telling us that the devil is a created being the bible said that you were perfect in your way from the day you were created so the devil was a created being the bible tells us that it was a perfect creation the son of man take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him thus says the lord you were the seal of perfection you were full of wisdom you were perfect in beauty so, when you see the picture of the devil with the 200 is not a true representation. The Bible said it was a picture of beauty, perfect being, created perfect. The Bible tells us that he was the anointed cherub, an angelic being that had the freedom to walk in the courts of heaven. The Bible said that he was built, had inbuilt musical instruments, so that when he spoke, it was majestic. The Bible tells us not only that, that all these things were going for him, he was the epitome of beauty. Then the Bible now took a turn in verse number 17. Bible says that the iniquity was found in him. He was brought down. Pride brought him down because iniquity was found in him. He said, Your heart was lifted up for your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground and led you before kings that they might gaze at you. And finally, the Bible says that because he was cast down, he lost his exalted position on the mountain of the Almighty God. I cast you down to the ground and I laid you bare before kings. Our Lord Jesus Christ even testified, spoke about the fall of Satan. If you look at the book of Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10, verse number 18, the Bible says, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. So you see that what was discussed by Ezekiel, Jesus himself mentioned it. He said, I saw Satan as lightning fall from heaven. So there was a kind of a demotion, a kind of a a judgment upon the activity of Satan as a result of iniquity that was found in him. In other words, the exalted cherub lost his position because sin was found in him. And the Bible tells us after the fall, Satan, who is now humiliated, who has now been defeated because of the war that happened in heaven, now can engage in that unending war with the almighty God and with his creation. The Bible tells us that the devil walked tirelessly continuously every day to gain control of this particular world and he did it by wrestling power out of the hands of the created man, the man that God has given control of this particular earth. You all know the story, the story of how Adam and Eve were tempted in the garden of Eden. If you read Genesis chapter 3 you will see it there. The Bible told us that they were deceived and they lost the authority, the power, the dominion that God has given them over this particular earth. Satan then consolidated his power and authority on the earth after he has successfully tempted man to fall. And the Bible tells us the same account that we read in Ezekiel. Isaiah repeated the same account. But Isaiah went a little bit further. In Isaiah chapter 14. Reading from verse number 12. The Bible said. "O how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? Son of the morning, how art thou cut down to the ground, which that weakened the nation? For thou hast said in thy heart, I will ascend unto heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the side of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the cloud. I will be like the most high. You shall be brought down to hell to the side of the pit. Look at the way this guy was describing himself. I will do this. I will do that. I will do that. And the Lord said that you shall be brought down to hell to the side of the pit. That they that see thee shall not only look upon thee and consider thee, saying, is this the man that made the earth tremble, that did shake kingdoms, that made the world as wilderness and destroyed the cities thereof, that opened not the house of his prisoners. Here Isaiah was basically saying the same thing that Ezekiel said. But Isaiah went a little further. Instead of just stopping at describing Satan, Isaiah went a step further. Isaiah told us about the puzzling response of the creation to the fall of man. Isaiah told us, he said, people who saw Satan, people who have the revelation of Satan, is this the guy that made the whole world to tremble, that this shake the kingdom? When after he fell, they were expecting something else. Is this the guy? There was a puzzling response. Isaiah talks about the Satan's oppressive action against the earth after he had fallen. The Bible said that is this the same guy? That means the action of Satan when he fell was that Satan now made the world a wilderness and destroyed the city and took people captive and refused to open the door to let the people go. Isaiah was telling us that Satan was the kind of personality that turned whatever he taught into wilderness. When Satan enters in the life of an individual, whatever is good in that life is destroyed. Isaiah was telling us that Satan is the person that destroys cities. When the enemy is allowed to have access to a family Access to a company Access to a church That particular environment will be destroyed Isaiah was telling us That Satan is the kind of personality That takes prisoner and refuses to let them go And that's why people are hooked on behavior They are hooked on a particular addiction Because Satan has taken them captive And Satan is not known to release his captive That was what Isaiah was telling us In other words, Isaiah was saying Satan basically held the world captive After his fall And the Bible tells us, in John chapter 10 verse 10, it said the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Which is basically telling us exactly the same thing that Isaiah just told us. That this guy, after he lost the war in heaven, decided to engage in an unending war with God and the creation. And as a result, he takes every opportunity to steal whatever he can steal, to kill whatever he can kill, and to destroy whatever he can destroy. Satan stole, killed, and destroyed as much as he could until the Lord Jesus Christ showed up. The Bible tells us that when Jesus showed up, he effectively put an end to the reign of Satan in the lives of the people of God. And that's why the Bible tells us in John chapter 3, from verse number 8, He said, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. In other words, devil was running free, roaming wild, taking men captive and refusing to let them go. But when Jesus came, the Bible said one of the primary purpose for his coming was to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came and effectively put an end to the oppression of Satan in the lives of the children of God. And so we see that consistent testimony of scripture concerning the devil is that he is a defeated enemy. Jesus Christ did that. Bible tells us in the book of Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. He said, having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them. So the devil that we are talking about today, Satan that we are talking about today, has already been defeated. He is a defeated enemy. Not only that, although Satan is defeated, Bible makes us to understand that he is a relentless adversary. The fact that he has been defeated does not mean he has given up. He continues to fight even up till today. The Bible tells us in First Peter chapter 5, reading from verse number 8. It said, Because the Satan is defeated, does not mean that you should become careless. It said, Be sober and be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walking about, seeking whom he might devour. So, yes, the Lord Almighty defeated him at Calvary. But this guy is a guy that never gives up is a relentless adversary he will continue to fight until the very last minute we see from scripture that satan though he is a defeated enemy and is a relentless adversary but is also a very crafty opponent very very crafty opponents for those who did not know that he has already been defeated the bible makes us to understand that he continues to take advantage of them and that is what paul was saying when he was writing to the corinthian church he said let satan take advantage of you let us not be ignorant of his devices Yes, he is defeated, but he still has a way of operating to take people captive. Yes, he is defeated, but he still continues to maintain influence over the people that do not know that he has already been defeated. And because Satan is a defeated enemy, the only way he operates right now to be able to take advantage over people is through the power of deception. The power of deception. The Bible says, Feel lest anyone as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your mind will be corrupted from the simplicity of Christ. And it is with the power of deception that the devil uses to entrap and to deceive the children of God even up to this very moment. Satan uses the power of deception to be able to take the people of God and pull them out of the will of God. And pull them out of the covering of the presence of the Almighty God and bring them to a place of suffering. Satan uses the power of deception to defeat the people of God. The question is why have I taken the time to go through the history and the current status of the devil? Why have I done that? Why have I told you all those things? My brothers and sisters, I tell you all these things because many in the church do not have a realization, do not have an understanding that the Satan that they are dealing with is already a defeated enemy. We see Satan as somebody who is all powerful. But many in the church do not realize that the enemy they are dealing with is an enemy that has been defeated. That's one of the reasons why I'm telling you. Number two, I'm telling you all this because many in the church ascribe too much power, too much authority to the enemy. Please do not misunderstand me. I am not saying the enemy does not have power. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying the enemy cannot do a lot of things. I am saying that we ascribe too much power to the enemy. The Bible says, now there was a man in the synagogue with an unclean spirit. And he cried out saying, let us alone. What do we have to do with you? Do you come to destroy us? I know you are the Holy One of Israel. In other words, the enemy, as powerful as he is, it's still under the control of the Almighty God. It's still under the control of our Lord Jesus Christ. But unfortunately, in the church, we elevate the power of the devil so much that we don't pay attention to the works of God, the power of the Almighty God. That is why I'm talking about this. this. But most importantly, I am telling you all this about Satan and his operation because since Jesus won the victory on the cross of Calvary over 2,000 years ago, Satan is no longer the problem of the children of God. Satan is no longer the issue in our lives. Satan is no longer the thing that we should worry about. The Bible said, behold, I give you authority to travel on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. When Jesus won the victory, Satan no longer became the primary issue in the life of a believer. And for those outside of Christ, Satan is still a major problem. He's still holding them captive. He's still doing whatever he wants to do in their life. But for the redeemed, the people who have been born again, the people who have been washed by the blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Satan is no longer the problem. Many of us will find this statement very, very troubling. Because sometimes it goes against some of our theology that we have accepted. But the Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, if you read from verse number 9, it says, therefore God has highly exalted him. Who? Exalted Jesus Christ. And has given Jesus the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow. In case you don't get it. The Bible went on to explain. It said the knees in heaven. The ones on the earth. And the ones under the earth. Every knee shall bow. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. Which means all authority. All power. That has been given unto him. And if you read the book of John. Gospel of John in chapter 1. The Bible tells us that as many has believed him, he has given them the power to be called the sons of God. So you have authority over the enemy. That's basically what I'm trying to say. I can hear many of us now thinking and saying, how can you say the devil is not my problem? What about the activities of the devil in my life? What about the activities of the witches and the wizards, the ones that are pursuing me in my dream, the one that will not make me to sleep, the one that brings sicknesses into my life? What about all those things, my brothers and sisters? I want you to understand what I am saying very, very clearly. I am not saying Satan has no power. That's not what I'm saying. I am saying that all the power that Satan possesses, he is not your real problem. The Bible tells us in First John chapter five. Reading from verse number 4, the Bible tells us that for whosoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcomes the world? But he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. In other words, as long as you are saved, as long as you believe in the finished work of our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, you have overcome the world and the controlling powers of this world, which includes Satan. And that is why First John 4, 4 tells us, we overcome the world and the controlling powers and all the demonic influence because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. When you are connected with Christ, Christ lives in you through the power of his spirit. And the Bible is saying that you overcome because he that dwells inside of you now Is greater than the one that is outside of you. And that is why I say emphatically. That the devil is not the problem. Because he has already been defeated. Because the Jesus that is living inside of you. If you are born again. That Jesus is greater than the devil that is living in the world. That is why I say that the devil is not our problem. Now some might say okay I hear you. If Satan is not my problem then what is my problem? If Satan is not the issue, what is responsible for all my troubles? What is responsible for all my despair? If Satan is not my problem, what is responsible for my failure, my disappointment? the running up and down in the dream. What is responsible for my problem? If Satan is not the problem. Look at James chapter 1. James chapter 1, reading from verse number 13. The Bible tells us there. He said, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot tempt with evil. Neither tempts he any man. But look at verse number 14. He said, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. In other words, when your mind starts playing tricks on you, that is when trouble starts. Verse number 15. He said, then when lust has been fully conceived. One thing I want you to say, just a quick pause here. Temptation is not the problem. Responding to the temptation is the problem. Temptation is not the problem. How you deal with that temptation. Succumbing to that temptation is the problem. The Bible now says in verse number 15. It says when lust has been fully conceived. It brings forth sin. That is when you respond to that temptation. It brings forth sin. And sin when it is finished. Will bring forth death. So I want you to notice. In this verse of scripture that we have just read. That Satan is absent. From that conversation. Nobody talked about Satan there. The Bible simply tells us that every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and is enticed. So Satan is not listed here. But what you will see highlighted is the problem of sin. The problem of temptation, the problem of sin. And the Bible tells us in verse number 14, He says, every man is tempted when he's drawn away by his own loss and is entire. Then when loss has conceived, it brings forth sin, and sin, when it's finished, brings forth death. In other words, our sorrows, our pains, our despair, our disappointment, and all the failures that we experience, even deaths that we experience, is as a result of one thing and one thing only, sin. And that's why the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So my brothers and sisters, our real problem is not the devil. Because if you notice when the devil tempted Eve, at that time they have not invented God. But the devil did not put a stick in her head. he just suggested, oh as God said this, the decision to eat of the tree was a sole responsibility of man. If the man said no, nothing would have happened. The devil would have walked away. It will probably come up in a different way. He cannot force you to do anything. And that is why I contend that the problem is not the devil. The problem is the sin that is in our life. And to put the sin in its proper perspective, Paul the apostle described the trouble, the war, the contention that goes on in the heart of men. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 7, if you read from verse number 19, the Bible says, for the good that I will do. I do not do, but the evil I will not do, that I practice. Now if I do what I do not do, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells in me. But I see another law in my members, warring against the laws of my mind, and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my member. O oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then, with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh I serve the law of sin. Here Paul is basically telling us that there is this internal struggle in the life of everyone. There is this particular war that is going on. Two opposing forces trying to get control of the life of an individual. And those opposing forces, there's one, the force of righteousness and the force of sin. And now Paul is telling us that the law of sin makes it impossible for him to be able to obey God. And that is exactly the same thing that is going on in the life of every one of us. There is that contention. There is that struggle that is going on. Who do you respond to? Do you respond to the laws of God? Or do you respond to the laws of sin? This law makes it impossible to be able to do the will of God. And the question is, why was Paul telling us this? Why was Paul trying to tell the Roman church of his internal struggle, of this internal fight between the laws of God and the laws of sin? Why was this necessary for the church to understand the power of the internal struggle that Paul was describing? Let me suggest to you that Paul was telling the church, because he knows that sin separates you from the presence of the Almighty God. He knows that. And so he's telling you that when you are going through this internal struggle, when you are going through this particular internal fight, you need to know how you respond. Because if you respond to the laws of sin, you are going to be separated from the Almighty God. And that was what happened in Eden. When Adam and Eve obeyed the law of sin, they were separated from the Almighty God. So Paul was telling the church, understand this struggle that is going on. Instead of you blaming the devil, you need to pay attention to what's going on in your head. As long as you respond to the laws of sin, sin will separate you from the Almighty God. It is important for us to understand the power of sin that Paul was talking about. Because sin cuts off the grace of God from your life. Because as soon as you begin to engage in it, the flow of the grace of God, the flow of the mercy of God, the flow of the power of God is truncated. And Paul is saying, pay attention to it. Don't keep blaming the devil for the things that you have control over. The devil can suggest all he wants. It is your responsibility to make up your mind and say, no, I'm not taking this suggestion. The devil can suggest. But it is your responsibility to take control of your action. And that's why Paul is saying, sin separates from the almighty God. Sin cuts the flow of grace. But most importantly, Paul wanted the church to understand. Because sin exposes you to the devil to do whatever he wants to do. The Bible said that he who digs the pit will fall into it. Whosoever breaks through a wall will be bitten by the serpent. When you break the hedge, when you take away the covering, what happens? You expose yourself. Sin is the one that destroys the covering of the Almighty God upon your life and causes you to be vulnerable, causes you to be exposed to the enemy. And sin separates. Sin has a way of exposing you. Sin therefore gives Satan the access and the freedom to operate as he wants in our lives. So we blame the devil for doing something. When you were the one that opened the door. doesn't mean that the devil goes free. It simply means that if you have kept the door of your mind closed. If you have built the correct hedges around yourself. If you have made yourself to be able to stand where God asked you to stand. The devil will not be able to walk in. So sin has a way of exposing us to the enemy. And once we are exposed the enemy can do whatever he wants to do. So if you want to limit the operation of hell in your life. You want to limit how the enemy can walk in and out of your life. If you want to stop the influence of Satan in your life, in your family, in the things that pertain unto you. All you need to do is deal with the sin question. That's all. The real problem is inside our hearts. The sin issue that opens the door for the enemy to come in. The sin issue. That exposes us to the activities of the enemy, the sin issue that makes us vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy. That is the real problem. But it's one thing for you to know about the problems, another thing to be able to deal with it. The question is how do you deal with the same problem? First John chapter five, reading from verse number four, the Bible tells us for whosoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Who is he that overcomes the world but he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God? So how do you overcome the issue of sin in our lives? The first step for dealing with the issue of sin is to be able to connect with the one that has the power to take away the power of sin in our lives. In Matthew chapter 1 verse 21, the Bible tells us that you shall give birth to a son and his name shall be called Jesus for he shall deliver the people from their sin. So you must understand, faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is the very first step if you want to break the cycle of sin and the power of sin over our life. Number two, power of sin can be broken by the fire of the Holy Ghost. The fire of the Holy Ghost. There are times when you read the Old Testament, it doesn't make sense until you connect it with the New Testament. The Bible tells us in the book of Leviticus chapter 6, Leviticus chapter 6, the Bible says that the fire on the altar shall be kept burning on it. It shall not be put out. And the priest shall burn wood on it every morning. And lay the burning offering in order on it. And it is upon the fact of the offering of peace. Leviticus 6 verse 12. Here the Lord is saying that the fire must continually be burning. In order for you to continue to have what? Access to the presence of the Almighty God. In order for you to continue to enjoy fellowship with the Almighty God. You must bring the wood in every morning. And the Word is referring to the word of God. Because when you bring the word of God into your life every morning, what happens is that it fans the flame of the spirit of God in your life that keeps you from sin. That keeps you from making foolish and stupid mistakes. But when the word of God is out of there, the spirit of God has nothing to feed on. And what happens? We are left exposed. And the dealing with sin number two is through the fire of the Holy Ghost that is enhanced by the word of God, which is number three thing that you need to do. The Bible said that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. The word of God is what washes us. The more you expose yourself to the word of God, the more you see what you are supposed to do and what you are not supposed to do. The more you see how you are supposed to walk with the Lord. The Bible said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I will not sin against you. Because the word has the power to be able to cleanse. Number four, we deal with sin by pleasing God through obedience. The more you obey God, the more you move away from the things that God does not like. And the more you obey God, the more sin loses its power over you. Because when you keep doing something over and over and over, it finally becomes a habit. And that habit is very difficult for you to replace. And that is why if you're obeying God, it's very difficult to do the things that the enemy wants. Now number five, we deal with sin in our life by remaining in his presence through holiness. You remain in the presence of the Almighty God through holiness. The Bible says, be ye holy, just like I'm holy. He said, the eyes of the Lord is so pure that he cannot behold iniquity. The only way you can remain in his presence is through holiness. And one thing I want you to understand is this. When you maintain a life of holiness and purity, the presence of the Almighty God is all around you. And the presence of the Almighty God is what makes all the difference in our lives. Thank
0: you very much for listening to our program today.